Could you all please turn with me to Daniel? We're starting a new book. A new. We're going to look at the Daniel. God is my judge. That's his name. Daniel means God is my judge. And um, yeah, we'll be reading from chapter one, the entire chapter. And the reason why I read Psalm 47 was we're looking at for God is the King of all the earth. God reigns over the nations. God sits on his holy throne. Basically, God rules. He's sovereign over everything. So let's start with Daniel chapter 1, verse 1. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the vessels of the house of God. And he brought them to the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and placed the vessels in the treasury of his God. Then the king commanded Ashpenaz, his chief eunuch, to bring some of the people of Israel, both of the royal family and of the nobility, youths without blemish of good appearance and skillful in all wisdom, endowed with knowledge, understanding, learning, and competent to stand in the king's palace and to teach them the literature and the language of the Chaldeans. The king assigned them a daily portion of the food that the king ate and of the wine that he drank. They were to be educated for three years, and at the end of that time they were to stand before the king. Among these were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah of the tribe of Judah. And the chief of the eunuchs gave them names. Daniel he called Baltazar, Hananiah he called Shadrach, Mishael he called Meshach, and Azariah he called Abednego. But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. And God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord the king, who assigned your food and your drink, for why should he see that you were in worse condition than the youths who are of your own age? So you would endanger my head with the king. And Daniel said to the steward, whom the chief of the eunuchs had assigned over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, test your servants for ten days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance and the appearance of the youths who eat the king's food be observed by you and deal with your servants according to what you see. So he listened to them in this matter and tested them for ten days. At the end of ten days it was seen that they were better in appearance and fatter in flesh than all the youths who ate of the king's food. So the steward took away their food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables. As for these four youths, God gave them learning and skill in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. And at the end of the time, when the king had commanded that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. And the king spoke with them and among all of them, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. 
There they stood before the king, and in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters that were in all his kingdom. And Daniel was there until the first year of King Cyrus. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for the scriptures, the sacred scriptures, the holy scriptures. Thank you that you've put your spirit, the Holy Spirit in us when we believe to help us understand the scriptures. Help us, Father, this morning to hear what your word has to say to our hearts and our minds. Help me to be clear. But Father, I pray that we would learn from the book of Daniel, which is re very relevant for today. Help me now, Father, and help us. Thank you that we can preach and teach your word. Thank you for giving us gifts and talents. Help us, Father. Help us all this morning. Pray and ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. I thought Daniel is a great book, and it's a relevant book to encourage us to live as strangers and exiles in a world that is not our home. This isn't our home. We are pilgrims passing through, yet we make it our home. There's nothing wrong with, with, with having a home, having a car, etc., but that mustn't become the only thing. We must all, still store up treasures in heaven, not here, just on earth. So I thought, yeah, let's look at the book of Daniel. Let's, let's be encouraged. We're living in, 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 a, in a country that is um, unstable, that there are crises, and, and you know them. I'm not going to spell them out. And then there are Christian men that get put in government, but then they don't behave in government like Daniel and his friends behave. They go and try take over and try Christianize everything. God hasn't called us to do that. He's called us to be the salt and light where he's put us. <clears throat> and allow our character, his character, to shine forth in the lives of people. So this morning we're going to look at God rules. Do we believe that God rules in all circumstances? That God is the powerful, sovereign ruler of all things. That God rules over men and nations. He establishes kingdoms and brings them down. It's amazing. I don't know if you noticed that in the beginning, in the third year of the reign of Joachim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And, he, and the Lord gave Joachim, king of Judah, into his hand. Let me mention the men that went. It happened in 605 BC, which we will touch again on now. But there's some light here. In 605 BC, Daniel was 15 years old. And in the end of this chapter, verse 21, And Daniel was there until the first year of King Cyrus. That was 536 BC. Daniel's 85 years. The most important thing there is kingdoms fall. God's servants continue. We never die. I'm not invincible. I die tomorrow, another pastor will take over and Robertson Reformed Community Church will continue. It's not about man. We're not here to worship men. We're here to worship God. 
And God uses men to point us to Christ. The man of God, the son of God, the son of David. And it's so important for us to know that God rules in all circumstances. Why is this truth so important? Because it can comfort us during periods of persecution and trials. Trials are difficult. And difficulties will come our way. But we need to know that we aren't exempt from trials. James talks about various trials will come our way. All sorts of trials. Count it all joy when they come. No Christian, no human being is exempt from trials. Especially Christians. They think when they become a Christian that now they're safe. No, trials will come until God takes us home. But those who are faithful, those who stand and fight the good fight, will be raised to glory, honor, and everlasting life in the new final kingdom. And the primary purpose of Daniel is to encourage us to trust in God who directs history. According to, listen to verse 35 of Daniel chapter 4. All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing and he does according to his will among the hosts of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand or say to him, What have you done? God is sovereign. God is in heaven. And he does as he pleases. The book of Daniel starts with God's sovereignty, God's rule over the events of history and human circumstances. And it will end that way as well. From the beginning of the chapter, the story of Daniel's exile to Babylon, to the closing chapter and its visions of the future, we see how God achieves the victory in this world. We look defeated. The church looks defeated. Christ looked defeated on the cross. But it was victory. We defeated on earth, but we are victorious in heaven. It's all the opposite. The people, our unbelievers on earth, are defeated in heaven. Don't, don't remember that. Let's try and be more heavenly minded as we go along. A lot of people say, well, let's dare to be Daniel. No, let's dare to trust in Daniel's God. Daniel and his friends went through a lot. How would we handle what they went through? Just reading around, a beautiful quote. We worship and serve a sovereign God who is never caught by surprise. No matter what our circumstance may be, we can always say with confidence, Hallelujah! For the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Revelation chapter 19, verse 6. Our God rules. The Almighty, all-powerful, all-wise, all-seeing God rules. God is on the throne. He rules and He's sure to get victory. And one day God would put the world to rights and destroy the unrighteousness, the wickedness and usher in His eternal kingdom. That's what we live for. And, and we see the entire Bible from the book of Genesis to the book of Revelation. God is the main actor. God is the main actor in Daniel. And He is everywhere in the Bible. We have such a gracious, merciful, loving, compassionate God that He warns us, He helps us, 
And we'll see now as we come to our first evidence of God's rule in Daniel chapter 1. But remember, there's also God's wrath. There's God's judgment. And this is what we see in the book of Daniel as well. This morning, I want to encourage us as we go through difficulties. I want us to look at two evidences of God's rule in the world to encourage us to trust in God. Whatever is going on in our country, in the world, may we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Is it easy? No. That's why we come together. We can encourage each other. There's the quote in the bulletin. We come together and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Because we can come complacent in those. Not neglecting to meet together. God has saved us through His Son, Jesus Christ, individually, but He puts us in a church, in His body, where we come together and worship and in support and encourage one another. So we're going to look at Daniel now. We're going to look at our first evidence so that we can have confidence in God's unfailing rule over the world until He takes us home. It could be tomorrow or it could be when Jesus returns. Just a quick history. Daniel is broken up into two sections. Daniel 1 to 6. We look at Daniel's life, his friend's life. We look at the history of Daniel and his friends. Then when we come to Daniel 7 to 12, and hopefully the Lord will come before that, because we're going to look at the, the apocalyptic form. This is when the, the apocalyptic writing took place. And Revelation is a lot of apocalyptic writing. And I just wanted to just share something so we know what apocalyptic writing is all about. Apocalyptic literature uncovers for us the heavenly reality that stands behind the affairs of men and nations that we can see with our eyes. A heavenly reality to which we are most blind. We are blind to the heavenly reality, but it comes in an apocalyptic form. That's why people, when they come to the book of Revelation, they distort things. Because we haven't looked at what apocalyptic writing is about. It lifts the curtain and shows us the truth of the sovereign reign of our God in glorious color. It also reminds us that this present age of conflict and suffering for God's people will soon be replaced by another age, an eschatological age of peace. It is worth remaining faithful to God. In the meantime, therefore, no matter what the cost to us may be, even if it costs us our lives, because the eternal future belongs to our God, and to his faithful ones. That's why it's important for us to remain faithful. And it's, and, it's, and, it's, and it's important we remain faithful. Because we are on a journey to a new heavens and new earth. Well, let's look at our first evidence of God's rule. Which we'll probably just look at this morning. And Lord willing, the second evidence next week. We've got, a, we've got lengthy chapters. So I'm not going to take shortcuts. Because... We'll probably never look at the book of Daniel again. So let's, let's, let's exhaust Daniel. Let's really get into Daniel. And let it encourage us to live in this world as strangers and exiles. So the first evidence of God's rule in the world is God gave Jerusalem to King Nebuchadnezzar. The first evidence of God's rule in the world is God gave Jerusalem to King Nebuchadnezzar. 
King Nebuchadnezzar didn't just take Jerusalem. God gave it to him. God gave his people, his temple, his land to an enemy. Wow, would God do such a thing? Yes. Because God is in a covenant relationship with his people. What we are seeing in Daniel is God's faithfulness in judgment. God's faithfulness to his word. When God says you shall not do this, you don't do that. And if you do, there are consequences. For, there's punishment. There's judgment. If God says I shall not steal, you don't steal. And that's time, a pen or whatever. God is serious about his commands. And we saw that with Adam and Eve. We saw that. You shall surely not eat from the tree of, of knowledge of good and evil. And if you do, you shall surely die. And when they did, did God keep his promise? Yes. Is that the God I want to serve? Yes, because he's faithful. He doesn't say yes and then no. His yes is yes and his no is no. That's the God we want to serve. We don't want a God that says to you, oh, yeah, if you do certain things, I'm not sure if you're going to get into paradise. The other worldviews say that. People are not sure if they're going to get into paradise. But our God has given us His promises in, in, in the Scriptures. And the people were told, the Israelites were told, right in the beginning, in the first five law books, right back to Leviticus and Deuteronomy, they were told that if you obey my word, then I will bless you. If you disobey my word, I will curse you. They were warned. What a great God we serve. He warns us. He just doesn't come. He just didn't come to Jerusalem in 586 and just take them and rip them out of Jerusalem. He warned them for, for hundreds of years. Generations after generations, God warned Jerusalem. Right back in Leviticus. Read Leviticus chapter 26 when you have some time. And read Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 15 to 20, and you will see what he says to disobeying his word. God has warned the church as well. He has said in, in the book of Revelation, if we look at Revelation chapter 2, verses 4 to 5, But I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent. And do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. The lampstand of the seven churches. It's a church. If we want to mess around with God's word, and we want to take Christ out of the preaching, and take God's word out of the preaching, there's a time when God will remove this church. He's not ashamed. He's not, he doesn't get embarrassed. God works through the shame. People must think, wow, look at their God. He's taken Jerusalem away from Jerusalem, the Israelites away from Jerusalem. They destroy the temple. He allows this pagan king, King Nebuchadnezzar, to come in and he gives Jehoiakim of Judah into his hand. Like I said, for years God used his prophets to warn the rulers of Judah. That their idolatry, their immorality, their injustice towards the poor and the needy would lead their nation to ruin. Because God wanted Israel to be a light to the Gentiles. That's Isaiah 42 6, and they failed. They failed to reveal the glory of the true living God. 
what happened is they got caught up in the Gentiles worship and they worship their false gods that's why the enemy to the church is Satan and false teaching false teaching always comes in the midst of us won't come outside always rise up in the church God by giving Jerusalem into the hands of the enemy they become exiles in a foreign land called Babylon think of us here today imagine going home and you see your house is closed off barricaded sorry guys you're going to be living wherever 600 kilometers from here and this is going to be where you're going to start over again how would we would we still continue with God will we still look to God for help and wisdom and guidance or will we start saying God what's happening here I was in church this morning why have you suddenly taken this all away from me what have I done I'm always there coming to church that's self-righteousness that's works righteous you're not here this morning to see what you can get out of God you're here this morning to worship God to honor God if you're here because that's that's superstition that's superstitious is you think you can be here and you can manipulate God God is not a God of, 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 of control or of God of performance you cannot do anything to get God to love you more he loves us just like he loved Jesus no less no more we serve such a lovely God he loves us more than we will ever understand someone said this historical event God gave Jerusalem to King Nebuchadnezzar is seen through the lens of God's sovereign control of things and thus serves as a purpose to encourage his people during a critical time in their history and we in South Africa are in a critical time let's not play that down let's not say oh yes God will sort this out God wants us to pray God wants us to get down on our knees and pray for our country men they were there there's always a remnant do you think a remnant were not praying for, for Jerusalem but they got swallowed up in that they were taken away God rules and they were taken across to Babylon to live in a strange land as exiles and, and Jeremiah tells us how they should live they should carry on living like they were living in, in Jerusalem they should be there I think it's Jeremiah 29 7 says but seek the welfare of the city where I've sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf for in its welfare you will find your welfare God doesn't take us out the world when he saves us he keeps us in the world for the welfare of this community Hezekiah was also warned. King Hezekiah in 2 Kings chapter 20 and Isaiah 39. He thought he would get the king of Babylon and all his, his, his men to come and have a look at their treasuries and, and to try win them over because Hezekiah was concerned about the Assyrians. The Assyrians had conquered northern Israel in 722 BC and now they were also looking to conquer um, Jerusalem, Judah. And so Hezekiah thought, you know what, let me, let me let the Babylonians come here, let the king come here, and I can show him all our wealth. And he's shown the representatives of Babylon around his treasuries, hoping to win a political partner against the Syrians. There's a failure to trust in God. 
Don't rely on your possessions. Don't trust in them at all. God knows the heart. It's idolatry. Yet we do. We all trust too much in our earthly things. And this is what Hezekiah did. And the failure to trust in the Lord was met with a prophecy that the treasures he had shown the Babylonians and some of their own descendants would be carried off to Babylon. And that happened in 586 BC. Jerusalem was destroyed and the temple burnt. How are we living as exiles here in this strange land? We know our citizenship is in heaven, not here. Yes, we still got to live here as a South African citizen or whatever citizenship you have. But we know our citizenship is in heaven. And as citizens of heaven, we live as aliens and strangers in this land. That's why when you speak the truth to someone that speaks false or, or lies, you get attacked. You're a stranger. You're strange to them. If you're around a table and people start speaking about abortion or homosexuality and in love, you, you say, no, this is what I believe and this is what I think should be done. You will be attacked. You're a stranger. You're an alien to them. They will mock you and your God. How are we living in this world? Because we live in a hostile world. A world that wants to squeeze us into its mold. The world wants to throw out the churches. Transgender and all that that's going on in the States. Some of the churches are attacked. We need to learn how to actually come alongside these people and in love show them the truth. Not attack them, not judge them. God judges those outside the church. But we've got to be in the Scriptures. We've got to be daily in the Scriptures because we are daily in this world. And Ephesians 5, 15 to 16 Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Satan will use everything and the world best to control our minds, to get rid of God in our minds. And we need to be in the scriptures in order to fight this good fight. We saw Jesus in the wilderness. What did he use to defeat the world and Satan? He used scripture. It was in his mind, in his heart. We meet together in the church to encourage one another. I read that, that lovely scripture from Hebrews chapter 10. And we encourage each other to, to run this race. Let's keep our eyes together on the kingdom of heaven. Let us remain true citizens of heaven. Because that's where our citizenship is. And you've heard me read this verse over and over. Is Colossians chapter 3. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated and at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Let's start seeking the things above. Let's trust God's rule as we walk with Him in this fallen world. It was God's will and God's rule to give Jerusalem into the hands of King Nebuchadnezzar. And it was God's will and God's rule to, to bring four men 
Four royal family men of nobility, youths without blemish. And these four men were, were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael and Azariah. Daniel means God is my judge. Hananiah means Yahweh is gracious. Mishael means who is what God is. And Azariah, Yahweh is a helper. Beautiful names, beautiful meaning. And, and, and God basically allowed them to come, to be educated for three years. It was Ashpenaz, the chief eunuch, was told by the king to bring people of Israel, of royal family and of nobility. And this all happened in 605 BC. There, the king thinks he's going to benefit from it. They're going to benefit from it. No, God's doing it for his people and the king's people to benefit from it. And we'll see that in the book of Daniel. We know what happens with King Nebuchadnezzar. He eventually turns to worship the true living God after being thrown into the field to eat grass like a cow because he wasn't humble. And when God brought him to his senses, he saw who the true living God was. You see, we, 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 we look at this and we think sometimes, wow, we are defeated. We're living in a country and we are defeated. We're not. God rules. God is there to benefit his people and the Babylonians. And the beautiful thing is these four men, they don't, they don't kick against the challenging providence of God, but rather they accept it. They go along. They're willing to, to go through the trials, pains and limitations. All what Satan wants to do to these four men is destroy them. But not these four men. They continue to honour God. They continue to worship God. And the beautiful thing here is we see God does not forget his people. There's a bigger picture here by allowing this to happen. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael and Azariah of the tribe of Judah, the same tribe that Jesus came from, the tribe of Judah. God rules and his rule and and, and his rule he is not afraid to suffer shame. There was a lot of shame here. People would have mocked them, said, Where's your God now? Look, he's taking your land away from you. Look, he's destroyed the temple. He's he allowed everything to happen. We thought your God was strong. You go read the account when, when um, King Nebuchadnezzar came to, when Hezekiah was king and he came to Jerusalem, and how, um, I can't think of the chap's name now, and how he mocked God and he said, where's your God now? Let's see if he can defeat us because no other God has defeated us. And Hezekiah spread everything before him and prayed. These four men, they are trusting in God's rule. God is not embarrassed or suffers shame. He's not. Look at his son, Jesus. Jesus was not afraid to suffer shame. Though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. There was a lot of shame in that. A lot of disgrace. But Jesus endured to the point of death, even death on a cross. God's rule will always accomplish his purpose in this world 
and we can see how it accomplished its purpose on the cross. Jesus defeated the enemy. So as we look at this first evidence that God gave Jerusalem to King Nebuchadnezzar, God rules. God knows what he's doing. He's, he, he, he will punish, he will judge, he will chastise. And it's painful at a time. It's like a father or mother that disciplines their child. So when the father disciplines us, it's, it's painful at the time. But we must learn to trust God. And we will see as we work through the book of Daniel, we'll see how God's rule accomplishes his purpose and achieves his victory. And Lord willing, next Sunday we'll look at our second evidence and to see God's rule. What God is doing in the life of these four men and how these four men trust God in spite of what they go through. We must remember 1 Corinthians 6 reminds us all about what happened on the cross. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You're not your own. You're not your own. If you're a Christian, you're not your own. For you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. That's exactly what Daniel and his friends did. They glorified God in their body as they endured their time living in Babylon. We know men were thrown into the, the fiery furnace. Daniel was thrown into the lion's den. And it's not just a, a, a story to tell to the children. There's so much more in those historical accounts that happened with the four men in the fire and Daniel in the lion's den. But let's remember, we have been bought with a price, with the precious blood of Christ. We're not our own. We're here to glorify Him in our bodies. And we're here to trust God's rule, no matter what we go through in this country, in our home, wherever you work. God rules. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this opportunity to preach from such a challenging book. But I pray that we would all benefit from it, that we would be encouraged, that we would profit from, from Daniel's God and, and, and trust in Daniel's God. He is our God. He's the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the Father of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. He's the God that took care of His people in the wilderness and took care of His people through history. And now has given us the true, true Israelite, the true temple in Jesus Christ, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. So Father, thank You that You rule. And thank You we can trust in Your faithfulness to rule. So help us, Father. Help us to, to repent and turn from putting our trust and faith in the, in the earthly things and focus more on the heavenly things, knowing that we are exiles, we are strangers living in this world. But help us to live for the welfare and the benefit of our community. Father, please help us to walk out of here wanting to be the salt and light in this community. Pray and ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.